I want you to look in 12 and 13. Colossians 1, 12 and 13. Go all the way to 14. We're joyfully giving thanks for what did God do? What was the first thing? He qualified us. That's a big deal for a bunch of us in here. Big deal for a bunch of us in here to be qualified. Because some of us, because of the mistakes we've made in the past, are not qualified for certain jobs. Certain careers are completely left out for a possibility for us because of our decisions of the past. We're not qualified. What does Jesus do? He qualifies us. We are qualified. I don't care where you've been. don't matter what you've done. I don't care who, what, who has a record on you or who has a memory of some record against you. You're qualified to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because what did he do with you? Keep reading. What's the next word? He rescued us. I love my old Bible. It says he delivered me out of the power of darkness. And there's, it's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. But some of us who grew up going to church don't quite get that we were in the dominion of darkness. We were there. Whether anybody else knew we were or whether we ever confessed it. Remember me telling you about the lady who prayed, who would not sing the song uh, years I spent at the end vanity. Church song. For, for those of you who are brand new getting started, there was a church song that started years I spent it in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord is crucified. She wouldn't sing that song because she said, I didn't spend years in vanity and pride. When she told me that, I thought, well, that's right, she's still in them. Uh, <laughs> Some of us didn't see ourselves in the dominion of darkness, but if you were in, were in sin at all, you were in the dominion of darkness. And thank God Jesus rescued us. But then what did he do? Look at the next phrase. The next verb. What did he do? He brought us. My old Bible says he translated us. That's kind of like beamed me up, Scotty. He, he translated me from the kingdom of darkness, of the dominion of darkness into the... Now reading that, that's the phrase I want you to notice because that's the introduction to the next section. To the kingdom of the Son He loves. The Son of His love. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom? In whom we have redemption. It's been paid for, y'all. We've got no payment left. He took care of it. We've studied all that. Next statement and the forgiveness of sins. So in Jesus, what do you and I find? We find a qualifying, a rescuing, a translating, a, a, a victory into the kingdom of the Son He loves, and we are forgiven and we have redemption. That's who, that's who we are. But now let's focus on who He is. This kingdom, this Son of His love, Look at verse 15. I want you to give me the first four things you note about him. Number one, I want you to say them, and then we're going to go back and discuss them. He is the image of the invisible God. Number two, he's the firstborn. Now read the next phrase. Overall creation. That's going to be significant. And keep going. Keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Verse 18. 
He's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. And number four, he's the firstborn from the dead. Okay. Now let's start, let's start back. Let's back up. Let's get all four of them. Did you mark them? I meant to tell you to circle them, underline them. Got them? This Jesus who loved us, this Jesus who forgave us, this Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now you church folks can wear yourself out if you want to, trying to figure out what this means. I'm just going to accept it as a reality and, he, and repeat what his best friend John said about him. He made the Father known. John 1.18, you want to know about God? You want to know the deep things of God? Some of us grew up in, or went to churches that talked a lot about, let's get to know the deeper things of God. Let's, let's become so spiritual that we can sense the presence of God. I'm not going to fuss about any of that this morning. I'm just saying, do you want to know God? Then you look at, say it, you look at Jesus. Because He is the image of the invisible God. You want to see God, you want to seek God, then you see Jesus. You seek Jesus. Spend some time getting to know Jesus and you'll know God. Getting, some, getting, getting to know Jesus is getting to know God. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, number two, he is the firstborn. Now, read, I want you to circle the word over all creation. Now, time out. We've got to do something. Uh, we got to do some word. The firstborn gives you the idea of what? Firstborn son. In our family, firstborn son. He's not here today, but he's the first one. But, no, no, you're exactly right. George, it's firstborn has nothing to do with time because there are people that will read that verse and say, well, he was the first thing created. No. In fact, if you'll read John 1.1 and you'll read Colossians 1.16, what's he saying? Jesus is the one that created all things. So the word firstborn there is like source of. It's the power. It's the power from which creation came. Now, hang on a second. Well, we'll draw the conclusion in a minute. But this Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, is also the creator of all things. Now, read the phrase. So you know I'm not making it up. But you've got to read it so you know it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to give it away. He is the firstborn over all creation. Why? For by him all things were created. Inhabited on earth. And they were created... Through him, for him, by him, whatever prepositions you want to read. What's the point? Now don't get theological on me. What's the point? He's the ruler. He's the creation, creator. He's the, he's God. He is, he's it. Now if you go out of here and say, you know what they said? Jesus was it. Chad Merchant said that, all right? But he is, you're going to find it in a second. In fact, it's a perfect way to say it because you keep reading. So he is before all things. He created all things. He created all things by him. All things were created for him. All things. 
Hang on to that. You're going to need it here in a minute. And keep going. He is also the head of the body, which is... I didn't write it. I didn't write it. It's right there. You see it? So I've got Jesus is the invisible God, the image of the invisible God. I've got Jesus is the creator of all things for, by Him, for Him, through Him. And then now I've got Jesus being the head of the church. Now those of us who have spent so much some time in church have worn that verse out and really worked it over. And I, I got no argument with any of that. I want us to keep it though in this in this verse. I want us to keep it in this section. I want to keep it in this letter. What's he telling us? Jesus is the invisible God. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the creator of all things. Everything was created by Him and for Him. And now He is the head of the church. What does that do for me? What does that tell me? He's the boss. He's the boss. What does it tell me? He's the authority. Keep going. He deserves to have first place. He deserves to have first place. Keep going. One more. Y'all were on a roll there. Said it just ran out. I don't know what happened. I don't it was too early. We should have gotten one more cup of coffee. Really captured the essence of what And you know how Gary knew that? Because what's about to be said, he peeked at the next verse. Long time ago, but he peeked at the next verse. Keep reading. He is the head of the church, and he is the firstborn from the dead. Hang on. Firstborn means what? Firstborn means what? We just, we, it means source. It doesn't mean in order. It doesn't mean first one. Because was Jesus the first person raised from the dead? I love to do this to people. I love to especially do it to church people. Say, who was the first person ever raised from the dead? After they read that verse and every one of them says, Jesus. No. Who was the first person ever raised from the dead? Oh, Lazarus, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. Ah, who was the first person raised from the dead? Jairus' daughter, that's a good guess. Ah, there's an Old Testament. Elijah, oh, there you go. Now, there's a Bible class teacher way back, all right? And those are the only people that know that answer ever are Bible class teachers. Because the rest of us quit reading that story a long time ago. The point is, y'all, what does it mean that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? He's the reason. Nobody would ever have been raised from the dead if it wasn't for Jesus. He is the source. He is the creator. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the head of the church. He is the, look at that next phrase, read it. So that in everything, so that in everything, underline the verse, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now give me another word for supremacy. Preeminent. That's right. Give me another word for supremacy. Give me another word for preeminent. I miss you over everything. Give me another word. Give me another phrase. Preeminent. Supreme. What? He's the Alpha 
And in his case, he is the Omega. What else? He's king. Better than all others. Now, you can already tell in our minds, I almost said little old minds, but that would be insulting. It would be accurate, but we in our little old minds, we're, we already run out of definitions, don't we? We run out of descriptions, don't we? Image of the invisible God. And I've listened to preachers wear themselves out trying to describe that. Firstborn over all creation. And I they get into that, man. Firstborn, head of the church. And I got a whole set of sermons on that. And then firstborn from the dead. All of those things so that in him, he would have the supremacy. Supremacy. That he'd be preeminent. Give me one more word. That he would be number one. That he would be it. That he would be the answer to your questions, the solution to your problems. Now, you can make it silly. You can make it trite. You can make it just very glib. And I've, I've done it. But what I'm about to say, I, I mean... I've done before, I've said Jesus is the answer to every question. I've said Jesus is the solution to every problem. And I've said it because it sounds pretty slick. But the truth is, this letter written by God to us says, you want to know about anything about God? You want to know anything about creation? You want to know anything about the church? You want to know anything about the dead? The answer is... The answer is, the answer is, the answer is, the answer is Jesus. He is number one with God. So when he died, no wonder God turned away. He is the number one with creation. So no wonder when he died, the sun stopped shining and the earth shook. He is the firstborn from the dead. No wonder that when he died that dead people stood up. No wonder. Because he is all there is. In fact, this letter will tell us. And I'm going to tell you where. Let you find it. Says he is all and in all. You ever been in a church that majored on some other things besides Jesus? You ever tried in your life to get, you got caught up in stuff that had nothing to do with Jesus? If Jesus is the image of the invisible God, if he's the firstborn of all creation, if he's the head of the church, if he's the firstborn from the dead, if he is the one that in all things God gave him the supremacy, what should be the focus of my life? Who should be the focus of my life? He is the answer to my questions. He's the solution to my problems. Jesus, really? Jesus, really? Now, that's just the setup because he's about to tell you something that you, it's going to be hard for us to get a hold of. Now, we've read it in church. We've heard it preached. I want us to hear it a little bit different today. Keep reading. For God was pleased with him to have all his fullness dwell in him. He's number one with God, number one with creation, number one with the church, number one with the dead. And God said, I want all my fullness to dwell in him. And through him, 
Read the phrases. I want you to say the word. And through him to do what? To reconcile unto himself all things, circle it, whether things be on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Okay. I don't know what word, what word are you going to give it. What word do you want to tell me? What word do you want to choose out of all those words? If he's number one with God, if he's number one with creation, if he's number one with the church, if he's number one with the dead, what does that tell you? Good answer. Good answer. Because you hadn't finished the thought yet. Keep reading. Because once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Let's talk just a second, okay? We're about to remember Jesus. We're about to eat a piece of bread that reminds us of the body of Jesus. We're about to drink a little grape, just a little taste of grape juice, just to remind us of the blood of Jesus. But in that memory, sometimes we go to thinking about what Jesus did on that cross and we forget what he really did for us on that cross. So tell me, what were you? According to this, according to this, what were you? According to this, what were you? Enemies. You were alienated from God and were enemies. Look at the phrase. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Uh, whose fault was that? Well, if my mom and dad had taught me... But no, 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 no. Whose fault is that? Let's say it right. Whose fault is it? It was mine. I was alienated from God. Not because something God did to me. And I, I don't, I'm not making light of it, folks. Because we got people in here all the time that want to say, well, God did this and God did that, or God didn't do this and God didn't do that. I, I accept that. I accept that. I'm not for sure you got it right, but I'll accept that that's how you feel. But the truth is, if I'm an enemy of God, it's because of my evil behavior. If I'm an enemy of God, it was never His will for that to be the case. He never wanted that to be the case. He says, I'm alienated from God because I became an enemy of God by my evil behavior. There it is, right there. So what does he do? What does he do because of my evil behavior? What does he do? This one who qualifies me, this one who rescues me, this one who brings me into his kingdom, what does he do for me? So that he can qualify me, so that he can rescue, so that he can bring me into his kingdom. What does he do for me? He reconciled me. Now, what does the word reconcile mean? We're going to spend some time on this and pitch in every word you want to use. Even you people that are smart. Reconcile, what does it mean? He brought back to me. Reconcile. He made it work. Reconcile. Somebody uh, Wednesday night said reconcile meant, you know, like when you reconcile your checkbook? And most of the people are going, what is that? You know. <laughs> Only us old people know what it means to reconcile a checkbook, and my wife has no idea because she's so young. See how I slipped out of that? Yeah. All right. Reconcile. Make it right. Reconcile. Fix. Reconcile. Mend. Reconcile. Rectify. Figure out what it needs. Reconcile. 
to make right. All right, come here, Zane. If Zane and I are enemies, if we have been alienated from each other because he's acted so badly. <laughs> I love being the teacher. I love being the teacher. If we have been become enemies, what does it take for us to be reconciled? Somebody has to come between us and to make it right. right? Be honest with me. You be honest with me. Don't you use some church answer and don't you lie to me. Be honest. When somebody's hurt us, when somebody's been mean to us, when somebody's done bad to us, when somebody's become alienated from us because of their evil behavior, our tendency is to do what? Our tendency is to do what? Walk away. And to think? It's their fault. I mean, it's their fault. They've got to fix it. If they, want my, if they want a relationship with me, they've got to... They've got to apologize. They've got to... They've got to make it right. Guess what God just did for us? Read the phrase. What did he do? Read it. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Hang on. What did God do? God reconciled. God said, I'm going to make this right. Zane going to make it right? The truth is, folks, we can't make it right. We can try everything we want to try, and it's not going to make it right. Decide right now, I am never going to sin again. I'm never, I'm gritting my teeth, I'll clench my fist, I'll stomp my foot, I'll just go over, and I'll never do it again. Guess what? I lied, I'm going to do it again. And it's too late. I've already been alienated. So what God does is a father running to meet the prodigal son, he rescued us, he reconciled himself to us, he did that, he did that. What price did he pay? He took the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the head of the church, and the firstborn from the dead, and did what? slaughtered his son on a cross. I didn't, I didn't make that up, did I? Thank you, brother. I didn't make that up. Look at that. He reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. He made peace through his blood. That's verse 20. Then in 22, again, and what's he going to do? Don't miss it. What's he going to do? Once he reconciles me, what's he going to do? He's going to present me holy in his sight. Uh, all church people, the next time you pray and say, Oh, Father in heaven, we come before you. We know we are weak and sinful in thy sight. You ought to choke on those words. Because in the sight of God, we are 
holy. Now, do I, am I holy? I love my, my folks. I knew exactly what my folks were going to say. They were going to go, yes, no, or no, yes, depending on what they're. Our folks here, are we holy? The tr truth of it. Are we holy? Do we, have we been holy in our lives? No, we're not holy. But are we holy? Yes. How? Because we did so much better than we used to do. No, I think we do better than we used to do, but the truth is we're holy because He reconciled us. He did all the work. He made it possible for me to be reconciled. And He is going to present me holy in His sight. Now, folks, that's not the end of it. All right, so He reconciled. He made me holy. Keep reading. Without... Okay, hang on. What does that mean? Without blemish. Okay, now ladies, ladies, you get ready. You're fixing your hair, you're putting on your makeup. You've got, you know, everything is ready. You're ready. You are ready. And it's, it's wedding day. And you're dressed all up in the dress that costs more than a house payment. And you're going, oh, did I let that slip out? I'm getting ready for a wedding. That's why those things are on my mind. And uh, you, you're, you're looking at yourself in the mirror, and what are you noticing? You notice the flaws. You notice, oh, my eyelashes don't look just right. My makeup doesn't just look. Did you know they pay people to come to your makeup before a wedding, I found out? Are you kidding me? You realize the guy waiting on you doesn't care what you look like? He just wants you to show up, right? But you do all of that so you will look without blemish. You are holy in His sight and you are without blemish. And it has nothing to do with how good you look. And it, does, it has to do with how good He does. You are holy in His sight. You are without blemish. Now keep reading. Keep reading. Do you see it? you see it? Read the next phrase. Free from accusation. Does that mean that people aren't going to accuse you? Does that mean there are people that are not going to accuse you? No. But there is no accusation from anybody who counts. Anybody who matters. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's who, God who justifies. Image of the invisible God, creator of all things, head of the church, firstborn from all the dead, Get slaughtered on a cross, offered as a sacrifice on a cross. And his blood makes peace between me and God. He, God reconciles me through that body on that cross, reconciles me to him, no longer an enemy, no longer alienated, no longer at odds with God, but reconciled and with holy, without blemish, and no accusation. Anybody like that? Anybody like that?
I like that. Who is it that does that for me? What's his name? Jesus. Answer to your questions, solution to your problem. And here's our prayer as we eat this supper. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. One more time. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. If God did that for us, if Jesus did that for me, am I going to let go of it? Not a chance.
Let's tie the knot this morning on this thought. If he did that, I, I need to back up. Let's make sure we've got it. Tell me what he did for us. Tell me what he did for us. Just the facts. I just want the facts. What did he do for us? From the verses, preferably without you peeking, but it's okay to peek. You can cheat on Bible tests. You can. I'm sorry? He qualified us. And he rescued us. And he brought us into the kingdom. Yeah, y'all jump that far ahead. It's going to strip my gears. And he reconciled us so that he could present us holy, without blame, without blemish, and oh, free from accusation. We'll spend the rest of our day. We'll spend the rest of our day. If he gives us any more, we'll spend the rest of those days trying to thank him for that, right? Trying to live up to that. So let's tie the knot this way. Let's just tie the knot this way. In here. What did it say to you? What did it say to you? What does it mean to you that the image of the invisible God, that the firstborn over all creation, the head of the church, and the firstborn from the dead, what does it mean to you? What did it say to you that he would do that for you. Yeah. You must be worth it. He thought you were worth it. Even when you were an enemy, he thought you were worth it. What did it mean to you? What did it mean to you? I appreciate what Garrett just said. I want us to think through it a second. How much energy have you spent, how much emotional energy have you spent trying to make sure that nobody would get upset with you and that nobody would think you were doing something wrong? Even though you weren't doing anything wrong, you worked extra hard to make sure that they didn't think that you were doing anything wrong. What's it feel like to be free of accusation? So what did it mean to you? Peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. And it's a peace that nobody can take away from you. It's nobody else's. It's yours. Anybody that's taken that peace away is way too important to you. Get away from them. Take your peace and go home. Did you hear that? Do we have blemishes? Do we have blemishes? Say it again. Yes, no. Do I know them? Yes. But 
No. He doesn't see them. What does it mean for you? What does it mean to you? No Sunday school answer, just you. What does it mean to you? Last call. What did it mean to you? For over 2,000 years, it's been the same. And everybody's been beating themselves up for 2,000 years. And you sent Jesus, you know, he took it away. Yeah, he took care of it, didn't he? That means that if I'm listening, Rex, if I'm listening, I'm not pointing my finger at you, if I'm listening, then I can stand firm in my faith, established in the hope that's been held out for me in the gospel. Just hold on to it, y'all. It's that hope. Is your mate going to agree with God? about you not necessarily Is, are your children going to agree with God about you uh, are even some folks in church they're not all going to agree with God about you and I guarantee you when you make it to work it's not going to be that way but the truth is <laughs> the image of the invisible God the creator of all things the head of the church the firstborn from the dead, the one who says somebody gets to be raised from the dead, what does he say? What does he say? Holy. Holy. What does he say? Blameless. Blame, without blemish. What does he say? No accusation. I got no accusation against you. So what do we hold on to? That hope. Right? That hope. I, uh,
want you at some time this week, God help us, sometime this week I want you to look at the rest of verse 23. Where it says that gospel that has that hope, that gospel that has that promise that brings that hope, that gospel that teaches about that creator who brought us that hope, that gospel was preached to all men and all creation. Wouldn't it make sense, honest, wouldn't it make sense that I say something to a friend? Let's start closest to us. Wouldn't it make sense that I would mention something to the people in my house? Wouldn't it make sense that I would say something maybe to my neighbor or to my best friend? Wouldn't it make sense if I'd say something to the people at work? Man, and may, I don't know how you want to say it, but you could start off maybe by saying, man, I learned something Sunday I'd never seen. Because some of you had never seen those things before. <clears throat> Truth is, some of you had never had a chance to read Colossians before. So now you had a chance to see Jesus as he really is. Wouldn't it make sense to say something to them? Man, you, you did. I, I saw something that I'd never seen before. I'd like you to see it too. It's what put um, Tyler and Lauren in my office on Wednesday morning. And it's what led them to finally confess their faith in Jesus and be born into God's family. It's what put Nancy, the lady you see around here watching our kids in times when we're studying and we don't, have, we don't want to miss study so we can have somebody that's responsible watch our kids. It's what put her in my office yesterday morning and said, I need to talk about what's going on in the church in my life and what has gone on in the past in my life. It's what caused her to confess her faith in Jesus and be born into God's family yesterday morning. It happens, y'all. There are people that are craving to be reconciled. They're craving to be rescued. Well, they're desperate to be rescued. They so want to live with God holy, without blemish, free of accusation. And they'd love to be a part of a church that treated them the same way. Right? All right. Garrett, would you pray for us and pray that God... Um, Well, you heard these hearts. You pray your prayer.